Occupy a Job on Wall Street is an autobiographical novel about New York City in the aughts, centering around a protagonist mentored by sociopaths. Episode 93, The Embassy Pen. This is the fourth and final story about how New Yorkers made their way past the four big crises in their city during the 2000s. But the prior three episodes came out nothing like I expected. In my defense, while writing them, I was surprised to discover there's actually very little for us to learn from the previous decade. You see, this week I concluded that the reason New York endures is simply the constant, relentless turnover of people. Manhattan is hard to get to, but easy to leave. And that's why we leave. All of us try to work as hard as we possibly can on one thing, but eventually the city forces us to be expedient. Expedience makes us arrogant and resentful, and perhaps more importantly, it makes you vulnerable. Said another way, New York City chews people up and spits the dumbest of us out. So you need to pay attention. Broken by New York, but wiser, you'll end up decamping to another city, and in doing so, improve both places. Because people like you leave, New York is constantly renewed. It fixes itself at every turn. In any case, I guess that's the thing about writing. When you truly enjoy it, you don't know where a story will take you. For instance, this episode is meant to be about the global financial crisis, but instead of focusing on the meltdown, I want to focus on the application of violence. Now, in my 40s, I've been known to complain about aches and pains from just playing video games too long, but in my 20s, I really enjoyed fighting people in person. Queensbury rules, mind you. No kicking on the ground and no bullying, but a good one-on-one -on -one punching session outside a bar with a willing and able partner? That sort of thing was considered legitimate entertainment in the type of neighborhood where I grew up. Not so much in New York City, though. Post the Giuliani years and 9-11, New York just became a much nicer place. So I got bored and joined a crappy boxing gym in my 20s. Hurt my back the first time I tried jujitsu. Other endeavors, running around looking for just the right amount of trouble to make sure I didn't get too soft working in finance. On my travels, I met someone in a newly formed military unit known as MARSOC. They were sort of shock troops within shock troops. If the American military wants to take someone alive and avoid a lot of civilian casualties, they send in the Navy SEALs. If they just need to kill everyone as gruesomely as possible in hand-to-hand -hand combat, well, they call up the Marines. And the Marines send in MARSOC. Anyway, the locals and I get on pretty well, and we're all out drinking in the Lower East Side. I ask MARSOC what he would do to someone in a bar fight, and he tells me he never leaves home without something called an embassy pen. In short, an embassy pen is as close to a weapon as you can get without technically qualifying as a weapon. For instance, if it was an ounce heavier, it'd be a weapon. If you could put the cap on the back of it and extend its length, it'd be a weapon too. You can also write with it, of course, which gives you an additional option when you need to concentrate in any given situation. After all, most of the time the pen is indeed mightier than the sword. But not always. Marsak takes this thing and thumps it casually into the upper part of my shoulder a couple of times, then points out how now I can't throw a punch at him. Sure enough, I look down bewilderedly at my arm, and I can't lift it. We'd been doing shots and drinking heavily, so everyone thinks this is hilarious. A week or so later, I could use my hands properly again. Okay, fine. 
No harm, no foul. But Marsak feels bad about incapacitating me like that in front of a bunch of people he didn't know and gives me the pen. This guy spends his leave teaching his son to kill buffalo on an Indian reservation. It's a big deal for him to gift something, so I treasure this pen. I love it. I carry it everywhere with me. I use it to moderate my behavior, to thoughtfully assess my situation. And I'm carrying it when this story takes place. It's late 2008 and Lehman Brothers is heading into the shitter. My fund is long gold and short banks, so I'm actually in a pretty good mood. Watching people walk out of Bear or Lehman with boxes? That was high comedy at the time. My crew and I start the night at Ciela down on Little West 12th, uh, head over to the Brass Monkey, catch Rooftop, Sushi Samba for the annual Bernstein event, Budokan, all of them an extra turn in a serious bender. Eventually, we end up at the Gansevoort, where I run into Billy Irish. You last heard from Billy all the way back in episode 54, and the two of us run in different circles, but always get on well, like a couple of circus freaks sharing a bottle of Jack. An hour or so later, I head off to the bathroom, and Billy's in there, finishing up at the urinal. I need to take an Austin Powers-length piss. Billy washes his hands, quickly gets bored, and stands around bullshitting with me. I show him my embassy pen and tell him how it allows someone to subtly incorporate what is known as an EOF, or escalation of force, that I'd been taught the way to most easily manage confrontation was by following the four S's. First, you shout, if only to get someone's attention. Next is show. If you're armed, let people know that. In this case, you'd make sure you had the embassy pen in your good hand and they could see it. Next is shove. This gives you the tactical space and demonstrates to the person that you mean business. And lastly, shoot, which is self-explanatory. Well, it would be if you had a gun, which you don't, because it's just a pen. As I'm babbling on as if I know what I'm talking about, some guy walks in dressed like he's going to be clubbing all night. His trousers are shiny, shirts a little too tight. You know the type, all fired up to be an asshole. He's like, what's up with you, old man? I take a look at Billy's face and tell the new guy, Hey man, you need to stop. This is not going to go down like you think it is. He's just going to punch you. The new guy takes one look at me at the urinal, sneers, and starts back in with Billy. What, you a tough guy, old man? I'm like, no, dude, you need to understand, this guy doesn't have the normal level of built-up anger that goes into working up to a fight. This will not be normal. No second chances, no sense of proportion, no debating. He doesn't do it like that. He's not going to reflect on whether you're throwing your weight around because you have a traumatized background or didn't see your dad enough as a kid. Keep talking like that and this will end badly. And then I hear this woomph, like someone hitting a cantaloupe. Well, shit. <laughs> I tried to warn you. <laughs> Now Billy's all upset, standing over the guy's inert body with a stricken look on his face. He's muttering, What's wrong with me? Why can't I be normal? I'm the dumbest fucker that ever lived. It's like I need to fool my mind that I'm not retarded. I brush my teeth retarded. I ride the bus retarded. I'm an imbecile, like the dumbest motherfucker that ever lived. I'm farting in bathtubs and laughing my ass off. I'm like, we can't do therapy here, man. I know you think it's important to talk this out, but you just need to come to terms with the fact that you're a fucking nutcase. This place sucks, and we need to get the fuck out of here right now. 
Episode 94 of Occupy a Job on Wall Street will be out soon. And remember, never go full retard.